I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let me ask you a question. How does your favorite song make you feel? Music affects and changes people's lives. It invokes memories. The first gig you went to, the first record you bought, that song from your school days, or the song you danced to at your wedding, or even your first kiss. It gets you through the worst times and the best of times. Music has always played an important part in my life. First and foremost, I'm a music fan but I've been lucky enough to have interviewed some of the biggest names in music, combining my career with my passion. Each week, I chat to some of my favorite artists to talk about the tracks of their lives and more. I'm Kylie Olsen, and this is Music and Me. He's a modern day blues hero, and at the tender age of 12 was discovered by blues legend B.B. King. Since then, he's worked with pretty much every heavyweight musician from Eric Clapton to Greg Orman. Now, one of the things that I love most about Joe is the boy sure isn't work shy. He's a complete tour dog who's always on the road getting his music out to the people who are clearly chomping at the bit to hear it. He's released 12 solo albums, and that's not including the various collaborations he's done with artists like Beth Hart and his side project with Black Country Communion. A self-confessed geek, guitar collector, and one of the greatest guitarists of our generation. I caught up with Joe Bonamassa, or Smoking Joe as BB used to call him, to chat about his musical passions and if and when he could ever imagine himself retiring. You're going to be surprised by his answer. So, Joe, what is the one song that reminds you of home? Well, I would say the there's two actually. Um, on my on where I grew up, my mother used to play "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." She would actually play the entire Rumors album um, when she cleaned the house on Saturdays. And that was required listening. And it first started playing on vinyl. And then when she got the CD, well, she then she graduated, graduated to a cassette and then finally a CD. And that reminds me of, of Saturdays at Home when I was a kid, is that record, Fleetwood Mac Rumors. And my father would also play records as well. Um, but his was a little bit more, his taste was a little more eclectic. He would play... Led Zeppelin, he would play, you know, Jethro Tull, he would play Dan Fogelberg, Crosby, Stills and Nash. So, I mean, the, the, it's the type of music, it's that kind of mid-70s popular, you know, like, you know, the classics. That, that's what reminds me of my parents. Don't stop. 
so the the Fleetwood Mac stuff. When you heard the Lindsay Buckingham parts on guitar, did you did you think he was good? Was there anything you thought? Oh, actually, I might like to do this. I mean, how old were you at the time? Oh, I was probably six or seven. I always thought Mick Fleetwood had a great shuffle. Like uh, he was a great shuffle drummer, and for many years, like like a lot of children of the seventies and eighties, we were we were exposed to. Uh, the, that classic rumors era Fleetwood Mac. Little did I know there was a guy named Peter Green. Little mm-hmm. did I know there was a song called Oh Well. And then when I first heard that, I was like, wow, you know, these guys were actually a blues band. And I started to realize where Mick got all his, his chops. You know, he, he, he was a blues drummer. And even that song, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow, is one of the, one of the great rock shuffle, you know, it's like a Texas shuffle, yeah. you know. And you don't realize it because it was such a big pop hit. But, you know, see, blues does translate to pop music sometimes well it's rare but it does yeah no they were a completely different band weren't they when peter green was in them which i it, like you say you didn't realize that first of all and then when you dug a, dig a little bit deeper with the band then you realize this whole realize this whole peter green era and you're like how can the two even connect but that's it isn't it i suppose it's the mick fleetwood shuffle yeah, that and, you know, the fact that they were looking, they, pretty much by the mid-70s, you know, when Peter left the band, they were kind of like looking for something or somebody to kind of give them a, let's say, a B-12 shot. And they found, you know, Buckingham and, you know, Stevie Nicks and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, it's it's like it's like two different bands. Yeah. So can you remember the first track that you bought? First track? I remember the first album I bought. Yeah, it was, I had some money stashed away from my birthday, and my dad took me to Camelot Music in the Sanger Town Mall in upstate New York, and I bought two records. I bought B.B. King Live at the Regal, yeah. and I bought Steve Morris, the introduction record, um, for no other reason that Steve Morris had a great-looking old Telecaster on the cover, and my father said he was a really fast guitar player. And so I listened to that, and I listened to B.B. King, and it was like two totally different um uh, uh two totally different albums but that's what i that was the first uh album i bought you know they, they were 7.99 each i remember that in 1984 and what was your favorite bb king track off of that album how blue can you get it's just devastatingly good i mean it's it's a classic um that whole album is a classic and it sounds like it was recorded with one mic because the band gets louder when BB steps away from the vocal mic, and then the band gets you know quieter when he steps towards the vocal yeah. mic. Yeah, and again, it proves you don't need a, a million dollars worth of recording equipment to to make a great album. It's just you got you need a great band and a great singer. You then went on to work with B.B. King when you were nine or something. He became your mentor. Yes. When you were that age, you'd listen to him on the record. You then got to work with him. As a kid, were you starstruck or, or did you just take it all in your stride? Well, you know, B.B. King was a very intimidating guy. I mean, he was this larger-than-life persona. Um, he was a kind, gentle soul and super nice. I met him when I was 12. I just turned 12. And... He was nice enough to give me advice, a stage. Um, he had me up on stage. You know, I mean, like, he would let me open up for him. He'd have me up on stage. And the most valuable thing I ever took from B.B. King was, was how he ran his business and how he ran his 
his band. You know, it was they were professionals. They took the job seriously. They were thankful to be there, but they were also, you know, a really seriously good working blues band. And you know, it was always fans first and your best foot forward and you gave 100% or whatever percent you had and that's really what I took from him, you know, and he'd always say, you know, you have to watch all aspects of 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 your life. You have to make sure everything is in moderation. You have to watch your money. You have to watch, you know, and he didn't have to tell me this. He learned that, you know, uh, 60 years on the road, you know, but he was very generous with his time and his advice. And he always, always was, was happy um, to, to share that. And a uh, little known fact, B.B. King, and he was 80 years old at the time, showed me how to drag a song from iTunes onto an iPod. Because <laughs> I couldn't do it. He, he was really tech savvy. He, he goes, no, you just got to click. And then he, he showed me, he was like, watch, click. And then he dragged. And he dragged, he dragged some Louis Armstrong song to his own iPod. And that's how I learned. Can you remember what the song was? Oh, it was, it was, he, he showed me on his computer. So it was some like Louis Armstrong. He was really into Louis Armstrong and, and a lot of the, you know, he grew up with those guys yeah. and he was contemporaries with a lot yeah. of them. You know, he loved Frank Sinatra. He loved, you know, all, you know, all the, obviously all the classics and, you know, he, and his, his reverence for the blues. I mean, he loved, you know, Lonnie Johnson and Robert Johnson and you're going, wow, you're an icon yourself, but he was still, he was fan first, you know, which tells you, you know, we're all fans to start with, and, and somehow we get roped into this business, and, and you can't get out. <laughs> and here you are, however many years later. Right, you forget why you started, you know, yeah. but that's, that's true, truth be told, you know, like everybody starts off as a fan, and everybody starts off in their little bedroom yeah. with a piano or a drum or something. So what was the track that made you go, okay, I want to play the guitar? Eric Clapton, Further On Up The Road, from his live album, I think he put out in the mid-70s. It's the one, Eric Clapton, Just One Night. It's, mm-hmm. him, it's him with his black Stratocaster, and he's on an empty theater stage. Um, and I think George Terry was in the band, and um, it was kind of like that, that mid-70s era, Eric Clapton. And I heard him do like a really up version of Further On Up The Road. And I was like, wow, you can do that with a guitar and sing and people clap. And you can have a cool guitar like that. I'm sold. You know, it wasn't as easy as I thought, but, but <laughs> still is. But no, but seriously, it was, that's what made me want to play. Now you're laughing pretty, baby. Pretty soon you're going to be crying. to you playing or was it something you had to re- I mean everyone has to work really hard obviously to get to where you are but was it something that you, that, that was just natural because I was you know I was talking about Link Ray he apparently said that he it was really hard for him to learn it wasn't something that came naturally well you know the thing is you know I always said like and everybody has their own like situation mm. and you know some people they pick up the instrument and it's like amazing from the downbeat um me, I always said I was 90% work ethic, 10% natural, natural talent. Um, it didn't come easy, but once I got my head around it and put the work into it, then it, then it kind of started to get some traction. Um, you know, the thing about it is every day is an adventure. Like, we're sitting here, you know, at the Hammersmith Odeon, um, 
and and I'm about to play in about an hour and a half. And truth be told, I don't until you make your first mistake of the night, and there always is one. Mm-hmm. You don't know how your night's going to go, you yeah. know. And that's that to me has been one of those things where um, that's what makes live playing so interesting. Yeah. You can always redeem yourself. If you're bad one night, you can always, well, tonight's the last show of, of what we're doing here. But um, you can always redeem yourself tomorrow. And, you know, you're only as good as your last show. And, and hopefully this won't be so bad tonight. It won't be. Don't it worry. It won't be so bad. You know. Well, you, you, you would be amazed at the mental conversation that I have with myself during a gig. Well, Absolutely. Every gig you do have a mental conversation, or is it just on the Black Country Communion stuff? No, I mean, every gig. I mean, there, there, are, there are times when you can't, like, there are times I sit up there and I go, I cannot believe I'm playing this bad. And then I'll listen, I'll listen back, and it wasn't as bad as I thought, you know? And the nights that you think were kind of, kind of loose and weird, the fans will go, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> the nights you think you're doing great and you're hitting the mark and everything is, like, I'm firing on all cylinders... People go, eh, it's okay. And it like there's there's a lot of every musician has a mental conversation yeah. with themselves. And it's not all look at me. Well maybe there's maybe one member of our band that that, that adulation is more important to. Um <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. I, I remember, I, the lineup is escaping my mind this this, this evening. Um no they, 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 there's you know I'm always trying to see how the crowd's enjoying it. You know, if they're into it, then then, you know, then you, you feed off that basically. Yeah, you feed off of that. You know, if they're not into it, you know, doesn't mean they're not enjoying the show. They're just not lively. Then it's like okay, then you got to work for them. You know, and it, and it's there's a it's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in my mind. I I, I hate to say it. This is Kylie Olsen and you're listening to Music and Me. Coming up, we're going to be continuing my conversation and find out what this is all about. Like, I, I don't want to die on the road. I just, I just, I don't want to, you know, do it to the very last. I, I just, I, I can't get my head around that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. So what's what's next for Backcountry Communion then? So you've just put the album out. You've done two dates in the UK now. Are you going to tour in America or anywhere else? Um, I don't know what our plans are. I mean, everybody's busy this year. Um, I'd like to do some more shows after after this experience. I'm mean, like, we 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 all got together and said, listen, here's after our experience six and a half years ago or how long however long it was, um, we decided that instead of committing to forty shows, let's try two. And if we like, if we love each other at the end of two, then it's, it's a lot easier to, to, to do two than it is to do 40. But I think after all this now, you know, and the fact that, you know, we do have, uh, we do have this, you know, it, it's a great band when it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Then I think everybody's going to collectively want to, like, you know, figure out a block of time and, and do something. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be 40 shows, 10. I don't know if it's going to be... Um, I don't know if it's going to be in America or here in Europe. I mean, it just depends. And you've got a new album with Beth Hart coming out as well, Black Coffee. I do. It seems like we've done that record so long ago, it doesn't seem new to me anymore. We we did it in August of 2016. Oh, my God. Why has it taken so long to release it? I don't know. I really don't know. we We recorded the record August of 2016, and... There was a few little bits and bobs we had to add to it, but um, it's coming out finally. So it doesn't feel new to me. It feels like we did this a, mm. a year ago or more. Well, it should. But um, anyway, uh, it's it's a really good record, and I think Beth really sang great on this one. I mean, she she dug deep, and she did Black Coffee in the proper key, which we were talking previous to this interview. That was... My idea to do that song was to do it in the Steve Marriott key, mm-hmm. and, the, and and I wasn't I wasn't I didn't mince words when when the idea of taking the key down. Yeah, I was like, you got to do it in G. You're the only human being that can do it in G, and she did, and she did she did it fantastically, you know. And that's an event. Why did you choose to name the album after that song? I mean, are you a massive Humble Pie fan? Big Humble Pie fan. Um, I love, I loved Steve Marriott. He's one of the best ever. And um, Kevin came up with the other one. We call it Black Coffee. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's a cool, it's a cool cover of the album. It's actually, um, it's actually derivative of an old vintage Ike and Tina Turner poster that I found. Who is it? And, um, you know, because when they, when they pitch the covers and I'm like, no, 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 this doesn't look good, this doesn't look good. So finally you have to take matters in your own hands. So I just took a picture of this old poster I found in Clarksdale, Mississippi at, at an old guitar shop when I was down there filming this thing about the crossroads. And I went, of course, I went shopping for junk that I don't need. But I found this old Ike and Tina Turner poster and I have it framed and it's on my wall. I just took a photo of that and we kind of did like a little little take on that. So it's cool. Talking of the things that you like collecting, obviously some of that stuff is guitars and you've yeah. got memorabilia from, uh, you know, signs, etc. Right. Um, how many guitars do you own now? I believe somewhere around 350, 360. And the, um, and the amps? About 350, 360. I, I have a lot of stuff. I, I, I'm, 
I'm not addicted to many things. I'm addicted to Diet Coke, and unfortunately, I'm addicted to this guitar junk. And you know, I have to figure out an exit strategy because the houses are gonna like the house is gonna get overwhelmed with with this stuff. I like preserving history, and I actually like I actually like being surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. You know, and thank God I can do that. But truth be told, I'm like, what are you gonna do with all this stuff? One day, I, so. So I have to figure it out. Maybe give it all to charity or something. Somebody else sort it out. I do have a list. I have pictures in a list if you'd like to see them all. <laughs> it's like inventory. They say they call it inventory. I'm not a store. Yeah, well, you are. I'm a friend. Not many record stores or uh, guitar shops have that many guitars, I don't think. No, not many. No. Yeah, that, well, I could just get a cash register to sell them right out of the house yeah. and, and open up for a couple hours a day. But do you find people come to you because they know you have this amazing collection? So it'll be like, call Joe. He'll uh, he'll probably have one of those. Or because I know that when I was speaking to Geddy Lee, he said that you'd um, you didn't you you'd pulled him into this this world as well. Yeah, well, Get- Getty's been getting into it. Like he's been buying like a lot of bases and custom color stuff, and I I, I helped him out um, on a Les Paul guitar. And um, people do come to me because they know that I, I do have a lot of stuff. And I've been around it my whole life. My dad was a guitar dealer. Mm. And I, I just, I still have fun with it. And like anything else, if I, if I don't have fun with it, then, then I'll just stop. I just have this, you know, I won't do anything out of just sheer obligation because mm-hmm. I, I, I can't fake enthusiasm. Yeah. So, have you had any? Are there any funny stories of people that you've um, dealing guitars with? I, you know, I mean, I've bought, I've bought guitars. I mean, my guitar adventures. I mean, I've bought guitars from little mom and pop shops. I've even purchased guitars from from stage and screen actor Steven Seagal. Um, you know, the guitar collecting thing. You'd be really surprised who's into it and who's yeah. not. You know, there 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 are a lot of guitar collectors, you know, um, and musicians out there that that quite frankly, you know, you wouldn't expect that are actors and businessmen and stuff like that. But um, you know, going to Steven's house and buying those amps that day that was that was a real that was a real trip. You know, he's a super nice guy and and he's got a lot of a lot of guitars. But you know, show up at Steven Seagal's house with a, with a truck. You know, going up, I'm gonna buy an amplifier from from Steven. And like it's it was surreal. It was like surreal, and that was probably one of the best guitar safaris ever. Um, you know, we've we've had them where we've showed up in really bad neighborhoods and hostile environments, and shop keeps yelling at me, and it's it's I love that kind of thing. You know, it's a great story. We've never been kicked out of a store yet, not yet. But okay, that's your mission for this year then. Oh, I'm a tough negotiator. I, I don't, I, you know, because I grew up in I grew up in a shop. And I know guitar shops have the reputation for being rude and obnoxious. Mm. And so if I get rude and obnoxious, I know I, I give it back, you know. Yeah. But that's that's part of the beauty. So you've worked with so many artists before. Um, is there anyone left that you would like to work with that you haven't? I, I would never turn down the opportunity to play guitar with Paul Rogers, which I have. Mm-hmm. And I would never turn down the opportunity to play guitar with Jeff Beck, which I have not. And he would be a guy on my list. Right, okay. Because um, that guy is seriously the best in the world, and and I've uh, met him. I've done shows with him, but I've never played with him. And and Jeff Beck would be top of the list. And what song would you want to play with him? Oh God, I'd like to get him to play Blues Deluxe because I covered that years ago. Yeah. 
And Blues Deluxe is nothing but a couple of verses, let's just say, borrowed from a Buddy Guy song. And then it's, it's the second verse is, I think, the second verse of Stone Crazy. And the first verse is, um, I think, Gambler's Blues. And it's just kind of a hodgepodge, you know, of just verses. But, you know, that Truth album really shaped my my path. I mean, that's why I wanted to be a British blues guitar player. And I'd love to see him just his modern take on that song. Yeah. I'd even offer to sing it for him. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I'd sing it quickly so he could solo, you know? Like, <laughs> get me out of there, get me out of there. You know? I'll rush it. Well, we like to rock and we like to roll. And the most of all, baby, we like to have a ball. Oh my God, Neil O'Brien, once again, the best dressed man in London. What are you doing, man? Congrats. I like the stripes. Happy New Year. Good to see you, my friend. Lovely to see you. Have a seat. We're just finishing the interview. Yeah, literally, just two more questions. Hi, I'm Kylie. Hi, nice to meet you. I think you knew each other. I think we have met, actually, yes. Look at those shoes, impeccably shine. Do you like them? The socks matching. I mean, like this. I love Kiss it. Gives me every time. You've got to show respect for your artist. You've got to dress. Well, you certainly are showing respect. I, He's you. You can. I mean, look at yours compared to that. I know it's pretty drab. It's like a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what Johnny Cash used to say, wasn't it? So they say, "Oh, you look like you're going to a funeral." Just before he went on, he was like, "Well, maybe I am." Maybe yeah. that's, that's what yeah. I said last. That's what I said in Wolverhampton. <laughs> Mike goes, "You're dressing all in black." I go, "I go." Be prepared to mourn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how this show's going to turn out. Stop it. Stop it. So, um, okay, can you, ever, can you ever imagine yourself slowing down? Yes, I can. I have a retirement date. And I know the people that don't like me are going to rejoice when I say this, that it all ends November 8th, 2039. Where? It'll probably be in my hometown if it still exists. If it still exists, um, why? Because Utica, New York, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's been... It's been yeah, it's being torn down. But anyway, it, it's, it's 2030, November 8th, 2039 will be the 50th anniversary of my first professional paying gig. I'll be 62 years old, and I figure 50 years in one business, I'm done. And I'll be young enough to, like, sell off the guitar collection and walk away and not do it. And I'll be happy to not do it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I want to put my energy into other things, like is like traveling. You know, you go, wait a minute, you, do, you travel all the time. Like, you don't see I, I don't see anything. I, I, I have, because I have to be on for the shows, I have a certain sleep schedule you have to keep, you have to take care of yourself. I don't have the time to do the touristy mm-hmm. things or the energy. I want to actually go see the world you know, that I've supposedly seen, you know, I want a second act, you know, I want to do something other than just guitar, you know, I mean, I think 50 years professional is enough, and I already told my manager, Roy, he's cool with it, I've let my band know, they have a 22-year notice. But I've, I've been booking into 2041, 20, I mean. Yeah. You know. Oh. Well, that's going to cause a few problems. Well, you, you, you cancel, cancel the last couple of gigs. But you know, no, 50 years in one, one profession yeah. is, is, to me, a very, um, that's enough. I'm not so going to be like, it, I won't do it. I won't, I, won't, I won't go out on the road. I won't do it. Like, I, I don't want to die on the road. I just, I just, I don't want to, you know, do it to the very last. And, and, and the, the, I just, I, I can't get my head around that, you know. I, 
Is it 50 years is a good amount, definitely. So and there's no guarantees I can last 50 years. You know what I mean? There's, there's no guarantees that my, you know, people will still come and see me 22 years from now. So I'm, 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 I'm anxious to see if we can get to there. But, but, but it will, there, will be a, there will be a 50th anniversary concert, and I'm going to walk away. I'll put it in the diary. I mean, even if it's in a pub with only like five people, I'll be there. Don't worry. Okay. Well, now we have six people. Yeah. At least exactly. we got a, at least we got one pre-sale. <laughs> so I, not, yeah, not to uh, end on a morbid one, but what song would you like played at your funeral? Um, I think I think the sound of silence. I think it'd be great. I like the irony, and and I on my tombstone here lies Joe Bonamassa. The bullshit has finally ended. That's it. That's it. That's how you go out, you know? I love you. You're great. Thank you. Thank you, Kylie. Thanks for having me. Catch the sound of silence and in the naked light Well, if you're a fan of music and me, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it, whether it be Acast or iTunes. And I'd love for you to leave some comments, whether they're good or bad. Give me some feedback. I'm always open to suggestions. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kylie Olsen. Music and Me is produced by the Podcast Works and Onesome Media. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.